Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. How are we all? Look at you all out there. Hey, you're looking amazing. We've got a new Aussie in the house today. <laughs> Joanna and Curtis Knight, um, American by birth, but were with us in Australia for a number of years, part of the church, went home to America to experience a bit of American life. Joanna just flew over this weekend to become naturalised. Is that right? So after three, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Woo! So she's one of us now. So she now has dual, um, dual citizenship. So hopefully we'll see them again shortly. How's your year going so far? Good? It's revving up. It is quick, isn't it? The end of January. Can you believe it? School starts tomorrow and all the parents went, yes. Most of the kids anyway. Hey, It's a long six weeks, isn't it? I remember those days when our kids were at school. Well, it's that time of the year where we kind of make adjustments and we've talked a little bit, Lois did a great message and we talked a little bit about those New Year resolutions that just we make and then they go out the window. But one of my passions for any of you that know me is relationships and marriage. It really is. And um, every January I like to do a message about our relationships. So if you're married, listen in. If you're not married, listen in. If you've been married, listen in, okay? Because we can all do better at our relationships, whether we're living in relationship at the moment or not, whatever. So you young ones can learn, okay? So get your notebooks out. It's always good to learn. And I keep thinking, oh, how can I talk about relationships? I think I've said everything there is ever to say about relationships. But guess what? There's more. There's always more. So in the holidays, I had a bit of a read bit of online reading, bit of book reading, and I, ca- I found some wonderful new concepts that I hadn't really thought that much about. So I thought we might explore them a little bit today. So it could be like a bit of a smorgasbord, okay? It'll be thrown out there. Maybe just take what you might like to, and put it into your relationship. But you can't go f- past the Word of God that says about marriage in Ephesians 5.33. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, talking to the husband, and the wife must respect her husband. And I did a message on this verse not long ago. Um, And we know that that love has to be unconditional and that respect unconditionally, not on our terms, okay? But I'm not going to talk about that scripture much, but I want that to be the scripture that undergirds everything I say today. And if we can do that, what happens is our relationships stay in a closeness, rather than in conflict. And often it takes one partner to break the stalemate, so to speak, and go, oh, okay, yes, I'm going to just love her the way she needs loving and wives. We're just going to show him respect, even though maybe I think he doesn't deserve it. And you'll be amazed at what happens, what just begins to unfold. Men and women were created to be different. Have you noticed that? And it's often these differences that can cause a few problems and heartaches along the way. I reckon John Gray hit the mark many years ago when he put out that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. 
I read that book and it's hilarious. But I think it's really true. He's suggesting that we come from different planets, totally different planets. Have you ever felt like that? Have, men, have you ever felt like your wife is just from, whoa, where did she come from? And I know I often think that about my other half. But we're going to have a look at a video. Now, this is hilarious. Um, that's Greg up there, yeah. This is from a marriage seminar called um, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. You may have seen it. Some of you may have seen it. It's by Pastor Mark Gungor. It's amazing. It goes over quite a few nights. But you can get it on DVD from Kurong and it is on YouTube. But I just love this little bit he talks about. It goes for a couple of minutes on the difference between men and women's brains. So let's have a look. Okay, so now, <laughs> we're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains, all right? Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes, and we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car, we've got a box for the money, we've got a box for the job, We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. <laughs> when a man discusses a particular subject we go to that particular box we pull that box out we open the box we discuss only what is in that box all right and, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very very careful not to touch any other boxes. Sorry, my Catholic upbringing got in there for a minute, but I... Now, women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... It's like the internet superhighway, okay? <laughs> and, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, just... it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. <laughs> because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> uh, 
women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now, men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. It's true. It's true. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. We love it. That's, that's why a guy can sit in front of a TV and go. measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> you know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity and then all of a sudden, he's dead. Huh? You know, <laughs> women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box. And it drives them crazy. Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing. We could just see, I could have just bought the DVD, couldn't I, hey? Not worry about me, you probably would have enjoyed it. Um, it's just funny, I'm not even going to talk about that, it's just really funny. And it, he, he's hilarious, honestly, I encourage you to see if you can get hold of that. I do have a copy, if anyone would actually like to have a look at that. But the Apostle Paul tells us that um, those who will marry will face troubles in their life. And I want to spare you in this. This is 1 Corinthians 7.28. That's a pretty amazing insight, isn't it, from a long, long time ago. I think couples need to be told this when they're getting married or they're even thinking about getting married. It might give them a little bit more realistic view of what life might be. It might take those rose-coloured glasses off. Just as they're about to get married, Greg should say, but those who marry will face troubles in their life. Do you think you want to hear that on your wedding day? 
Probably not, but we do need to hear it because life isn't always a bed of roses. You will have troubles, but when you understand some of the differences between you and your, your spouse or your partner a little bit more, I think you can work through these and stay in love. So I've got a few thoughts for you. The first thought is about the four faces a man wears. Do you like this face? It's like, hmm. Chris thought it was Greg. <laughs> it's like, it could be Greg. I probably picked it because it looked like Greg. Isn't that funny? Well, men don't always show the same face. They have four faces. The first face is the face of a king. God created the man to rule over his home with justice, wisdom, and compassion. And he can't do this if you are both trying to rule the home. You can work together in this because the man is the head of the home, but the woman is the neck that turns the head around. So that's a great way of thinking about how a home can run. Sometimes, girls, we just have to hand over that responsibility. Sometimes we take that and it's not our God-given role to lead the home. So sometimes we need to take our hands off and let our men lead. Give him the authority to take the responsibility. He won't get it right all the time, but he's learning how to do it. Men are at their best when they feel like they're making a significant contribution to the family. They flourish when they have a job or a project to do. Have you ever noticed that, girls? That's what they need to do. They need to be busy. Treat him like a king and he will treat you like a queen. And that's unconditional love and respect at work right there. So that's the first face. The second face is the face of a fool, like a jester in the royal courts that were there to make people laugh. Men can display an element of silliness or foolishness that us girls just sometimes don't understand. We just sometimes think, when are you going to grow up? But he's wired that way. So let him be silly from time to time. Let him tell the dad jokes. Ugh! Who hates dad jokes? But God's just given them this innate sense of silliness. The kids love it when dads are silly. And they need it. And us girls need to relax sometimes and let them be silly and not, not take life so seriously. Laugh along with him. It's good for you. And as I was preparing this, I noticed just this week, Greg does really silly things and says silly things. And normally I might go in my back of my mind going, oh, yeah, right. But um, after this, I thought, no, he's got his jester face on. And I actually enjoyed it. And I laughed with him. So there you go, girls, okay? A king, a jester. The third face. No, it's my preach. No. what to do. She actually laughed at one of my jokes. I was very impressed. She didn't raise her eyes and goes, uh. she said the other morning, I feel like Vegemite toast. I said, no, you don't. You look all right. But she does this morning. See what I have to put up with? Just got to let them think they're funny, girls, okay? Think they're funny. Think they're funny. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, dear. How do I get this back? The third face is the face of a boy. Every man has a boy inside him, a Peter Pan, so to speak, which keeps him feeling young and energetic. However, girls, don't treat him like a boy. He doesn't need you to be his mother. He needs you to be his support. 
Let him break out every now and then and be a little bit immature. But guys, not all the time, okay? Not all the time. And the fourth face, the face of a warrior. This is the one I love. Do you all remember the movie Braveheart? Some of you young ones might not have seen it. It was a little bit a few years ago now. Mel Gibson, I don't even know the character he played, but he was heading the Scottish Rebellion. And his face is painted blue and his hair's out and he's dressed in his kilt. And he's a warrior and he's got his sword held high. And he yells out, what does he yell out? They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom as they rushed into battle. And every girl was like, yay, go the warriors. There's something in us that loves a, a warrior. So girls, when your guy's being a warrior, don't laugh at him. Okay, save that for when he's being the jester. When he's being the warrior, that's the God thing inside of him rising up and taking on challenges. So we need to champion him on. Okay, men love to fight for something. It's in their nature. Men were born with a fight in them to fight for their women. Not with their women, but for their women. Okay, so girls, talk to your man like a king and a warrior and you will empower him. He'll want to protect you. He'll want to love you and provide for you. Stand up and fight for you. But remember, his basic need is for respect. So don't treat him like a boy or a fool. Just remember that he does have aspects of each. Okay, I found that really helpful. That was really good, so I hope you do too. Girls, it's our turn. Okay, we like to wear hats sometimes, don't we? Why? Because girls just like to dress up, don't we, girls? Doesn't matter. Any excuse, we can get dressed up, wear our hats. I thought about bringing all different hats, but I thought, oh, no, I'll get a bit carried away as I do. So, guys, listen in. These are the four hats that a girl sometimes wears, your wife. The hat of a princess. Most little girls love to dress up like a fairy tale princess and to be rescued by the handsome prince. We've all grown up on Disney watching all those lovely movies. But it's a desire to feel special, as women do. We all like to feel that we're special. Princesses are not all about looking beautiful. However, they have an elegance, a grace, and a strong spirit about them. So guys, treat her like one from time to time. Okay, treasure her. The second hat we women wear is the nurturer's hat. Every woman has a mother inside of her, her nurturing side. And you've only got to watch little girls. I have Edie, our granddaughter, she's only two. And she, the way she handles her dollies, she's just like this amazing little mother. No one teaches her. She's walking around patting and talking to the baby, putting it down, I think. It must be just a God-given innate thing in a girl to be a nurturer. You just got to witness a child that might be lost in the shopping center who's crying. Every woman in the vicinity will come around that child and start stroking the child, grab them by the hand and try to get them help. Men can be overwhelmed a little bit by this though. They don't want to be nurtured all the time. It goes against their warrior nature. So girls, make sure you take this hat off when you're with your husband. He's re and remember, he's not your child. Okay, so just remember that. That's a good point. The third one is the lover hat. Every woman has a romantic side to her. And all the girls said, amen, yes. And most of us love to be romanced by our husbands and partners. So guys, learn to bring this side out in her. Bring her flowers, take her out somewhere nice, sweet talk her, and I'm sure you'll benefit in the long run. It's not that much fun spending all day with kids, wiping snotty noses and changing nappies. So we all dream of a little romance in our lives, don't we, girls? So there you go, guys. The fourth hat. 
Can you guess what it is, I wonder? Just put this the one down here. It's the hormonal hat. <laughs> Comes out regularly in us women. When men see this hat, they often want to run for cover, as it can be dangerous territory. <laughs> us women can be irrational, irritable, emotional, disagreeable at times, but just give us some space and keep loving us. This hat will come off. Um, and girls, don't abandon who you are and the beautiful matters of the heart just to those horrible hormonal changes that happen regularly. Okay, so guys, do something every now and then which is nice for your wife. And girls, don't complain about what he didn't do. We can be so much the nagging, like, oh, he might wash up. Oh, well, you didn't do that right, and you unpack the dishwasher. Well, if you just do it like this, it'd be better. Men need to be appreciated for their effort. So every time this week when our guys try to do something nice, girls, remember to appreciate them for their effort. Okay, second area I want to have a look at is the different ways that we process thinking. I've kind of probably knew this, but I didn't really know it as much as I do now. But I really think this is, um, can cause a lot of stress in relationships if you don't have an understanding of how you and your partner process thinking. Now, there's not a men's way and a woman's way, and there's not a right way and a wrong way. There's just two different ways. One is external processing, and one is internal processing. The internal processor, now, while I'm speaking, I want you to be thinking about yourself and about your spouse, maybe about your mum or your friends, whatever, um, while I'm talking. Internal processors have a slow circling method, the way they arrive at a decision. They maintain a safe distance that isn't overcommitted, they're researching, studying, observing, and pondering when they're thinking. They don't like to jump into things. Once they make a commitment, they stick to it because they've already taken the time to test it all out in their head before they speak out loud. Internal processes feel stressed by premature, rushed decision-making. And they might view an external processor as flighty, annoying, unreliable, puzzlingly unpredictable, emotionally reactive and exhausting. But it would be wrong to think that there is one type that is more intellectual than the other. They're just different. On the other hand, the external processor, well, that's me. We make beeline decisions. We jump into the proverbial 10-foot pool, feet first. External processors must always have a goal, a plan, headed somewhere. It can, it's okay to change it often and frequently as long as it's going somewhere. External processes feel stressed by slow, stalled decision-making. And they might view internal processes as frustratingly, incompre incomprehensibly hesitant, emotionally uninvested, slow and dull killjoys. Can you see how that can cause a bit of grief in a relationship? I just described our marriage, actually. Um, Greg is an internal processor whereas I'm an external processor. And this can cause angst at times because I'm talking while I'm thinking out loud. Half the time I have no idea what I've just said. Because you'll say, what did you just say? And I said, I don't know what I just said. It just came out there. I'm working it out as I speak. And this is funny. A lot of the time I don't even agree with what I've just said. And that's the scary part. It's just thoughts all just coming, you know, all tumbling out. I'm just getting them out there. And this frustrates Greg, no end. 
because he doesn't have much to say until he's thought it all through and come up with a great response. External processes will share all their changing emotions, thoughts and perceptions with anyone who will listen, especially another external processor. They haven't looked at all the details, but an internal processor keeps all the information to themselves, thinks about it in every small detail many times over. Now, you don't have to be an extrovert to be an external processor, but I think from what I've read, it goes hand in hand a lot of the time. We are all individuals, so you might not fit you exactly. But one way to explain the differences between the extrovert and the introvert processing is to say that introverts like to fully bake their thoughts, opinions and ideas before they speak, whereas the extrovert must talk through their thoughts, opinions and ideas in order to become fully baked thought. That's why we can confuse one another. I'm raving on all the time, changing my mind and Greg must be just scratching his head thinking, oh my gosh, what is she trying to say? But then I thought about the office, poor Greg. <laughs> Pat Greg on the back today because he's going to need it. In the office, Chris and I are there and we're both extroverts and we're both external processors. Bronnie's up there too. Poor Greg, I don't think he gets a word in. He must just sit there and think, oh my gosh, words, words, words. No wonder he comes home so quiet. <laughs> He's had words all day. But I hope this helps you, Greg. It helps you understand us extroverts and the frustration. But we've got to be patient with one another in our differing needs and ways of communicating. I can feel sometimes a little bit let down by Greg's lack of seemingly emotional commitment or enthusiasm because he's just not ready to commit to what I'm thinking yet. And I'm sure he feels burdened by my intense emotional overcommitment and haste in everything I want to do. That'd be true, wouldn't it? Just, yep, nod. <laughs> but I'm working to intentionally respect his need for time and space. And I'm hoping I'm getting better as time goes on. So we've been married for 37 years. Oh, it's a long time. Um, and we've focused graciously over those years, allowing each other to be different and um, on seeking to understand the other one. And that's how you build a good marriage. You realise the differences in each other, you allow that person to become who God's created them to be, and then you work with that. Proverbs 12:18 tells us that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I thought, that's so true, the extrovert can maybe have words that are a bit reckless sometimes and the tongue of the wise is the introvert that tends to think things through well. So we can both learn from that. Make, let's make sure that we're aware of the words we're speaking and they're not just pouring out of our mouth and the weight that they do carry in relationships. So how about you? Have you identified maybe just by that little outline which processor you might be? I want you to go home and have conversations this week about this and get talking. Um, think about your children. You'll be able to pick up which type of processor they are and you can help them. And um, even in um, workplaces, your boss might be incredibly frustrating. Have a think about how they might communicate and this might help you understand how you can get the best out of, out of people. Different is just different. It's not bad. Your boss isn't bad just because he might think differently or she might think differently to you. So what can you do if you and your spouse process differently? I was coming at this with an angle of we're both different, but then I was just thinking on the way over that, oh, imagine if you're the same. Imagine two external processes, me and Chris together. We're going to hardly get, we, the other one hardly stops the other one to get a word. You might have that relationship 
And then I was thinking, oh, what would two internal ones be like? If you're really quiet, <laughs> they probably don't have much to say. They probably just think a lot. <laughs> I don't understand that, but I'm sure it's good if that's what you are. Um, so look, there's little changes we can make. So we external processes, what we can do to help our partner if they are an internal processor. We can give warning to our partner. It says, I'm just thinking out loud. So you don't have to take action on every word, okay? Try to bring the conversation to some kind of conclusion. So your partner gets a clear message or a clear picture of what all the ramblings and thoughts were about. Because um, sometimes we can just talk, talk, talk and go nowhere. And Greg will be looking at me kind of going, <laughs> where's this going to land? <laughs> <laughs> and I've only realised it truly. I've been like this, how old am I, 57? Taking me all these years to realise it and preparing for preaching. I'm going, oh, that's me, I do that. So I'm preaching to myself as much as to you guys. So sorry, Greg, that's all I can say is sorry. I'm such a pain sometimes. Um, okay, get succinct about what you're trying to say and try to say it clearly. Learn to listen slowly and not always be speaking. That's a challenge for people that like to think out loud. You learn nothing when you are speaking. You only learn when you're listening to someone else. So become a better listener. Allow your partner to go off to his cave, his or her cave or quiet place to think and don't keep badgering for an answer. He just can't do it, unlike you. So if you're an internal processor, we'd be happy for you to go to your quiet place and process but just don't stay there forever. Come back and keep communicating, even if you haven't worked it all out. How about giving us just a few clues along the way as to what you're thinking? We're happy with that. A little bit of enthusiasm goes a long way for a processor like myself. Lighten up a little and don't always be so intense. Because what can happen is when you are an internaliser, I can look at Greg and the cogs are going round. I can see them going around and around. And if that's, you spend your whole life doing that, you can become a bit mm, downward, a bit obsessed. So it's nice to lighten up, look up a little bit, give a few little clues. You don't have to have all the answers to talk. You can just say what you're thinking. That's okay. Because um, this used to happen a lot for us. And in our marriage course that I'll talk about in a second, we identified this as a bit of a problem with us. He would withdraw and become really quiet, go into his little thinking mode and I'd be thinking, what have I done? What have I done? Why is he cranky? No, 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 no. All this going around like that guy. Brain going on overdrive. And um, when we finally got to discuss it in the group, I'd done nothing. He was just considering another problem or something going on in his world and he needed that space. But what he found was he stayed there too long and he cut me off and I felt quite isolated from that. So he's learnt now when he's got chewing something over, I let him go, I don't hound him, but he comes back to me quicker and has learnt to process quicker. So see how it's a bit of an ebb and flow, it's a balanced thing. You just got to learn to work with each other. The, our marriage course is called Fall in Love, Stay in Love. It's a course we founded and wrote ourselves and we do it every year and we're about to start another one. Six weeks, it's fantastic. Hands up if you've done the course. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's a great course. It's really helpful for your marriage. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale, whether you've been married 50 years, six months, anywhere in between, married before, doesn't matter. It's just a very practical way of learning about yourself and your partner, get you to know a few other people in the group as well. Um, so we're starting that soon and we're looking for numbers. We only want about six or seven couples. So if you're keen, 
come and see Greg or I today and we'll get that ball rolling. We're just trying to decide when we can pull that off. But I really encourage you. Um, it's a marriage enrichment course. It'll just help you get better and better. So the very last area I want to have a look at is called our unique self. I'm very passionate about people understanding their God-given temperament type and that of the, their loved ones. And it's just another tool that helps unlock who we are and how we can bring out the very best in each other rather than the worst. Not only in our marriages and families, but also in the body of Christ here so that it functions how God designed it to. So there's four, four broad temperament types. You've probably all heard of them. I'm not going to be talking about them. They're the powerful cholerics, the party sanguine people, the perfect melancholies, and the peaceful phlegmatics. They basically, people are in those four broad categories of temperament type, and there's mixes of each. But there's a further breakdown that I've been reading about, and it's called the doers, feelers, and thinkers, of which we all have different percentages of each. So what this does, it creates an amazing, unique mix of people. So you can see what's so interesting, can't you? Getting on with people when we're all so different, this whole different mix. When we're free to be our unique selves, who God's created us to be, and under the rule of the Holy Spirit, we can flourish in every area of our life, and so does the church. So in this next context, I want you to be thinking about yourself, the doer, thinker, feeler, but I'm going to be talking about it as the church body and what, those, what that looks like, okay? So if you think of the muscles of the body, they help get us moving and they provide strength. Hence, there's those in the body of Christ who possess great endurance. They are the doers. They see what is needed and they go after it. They're likened to the physical muscles for their starters and they get the job done. They see no obstacles. They move ahead. As soon as I was reading this, I thought of Chris Clum straight away. It kind of just describes him. No, no matter how adverse the circumstances, they'll see a way clear to minister and increase the kingdom of God. Unstoppable Chris Clum, that's him. Opposition and challenge are welcomed. They do not become discouraged with such things and they see no hindrances. I think you'll find a lot of leaders are doers because jobs need to get done and it's often people that are in leadership will see it and they'll get the job done. Are you one of these? Are you a doer? Is your spouse a doer? If so, you are a great blessing to the body unless the unique self is not under the rule of the spirits. Like all those temperaments, they have a positive strength side and they have a weakness a negative side and a weakness of a doer is that they can sometimes discourage others on whom they force their will they can be very forceful in trying to get people to do 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 and sometimes they're just too busy doing that they forget to wait on God so that's the kind of the downside so if you're a doer you need to just watch those little things just as overworking muscles cause the physical body discomfort and pain so the body of Christ suffers when muscles are not under the rule of the Spirit. See how important it is that whoever we are, we surrender to God and allow Him to work through us. Otherwise, it can cause a few problems. And I think sometimes maybe that's why in the workplace and families sometimes we have a few more issues because they're not surrendered to God. They're just doing the natural who they are. And even though it's got lots of pluses, all the temperaments have sides of them that are quite have weaknesses and they have to be surrendered to God so they don't cause problems. So the second one 
we're talking about the body, remember, a, a physical body and the church body, these function as internal organs, the unseen parts of the body that keep it functioning, and they're the thinkers, and they're very valuable to the growing church. We know that every business, family, and ministry succeeds because of attention to detail. Thinkers are the detailed people, the perfectionists. They arrive early, they plan the activities, they make sure everything's in place, the details are taken care of. Bronnie Gibbo, just thought of that, this is you, hey? Describing you to a T. In short, they are those who just make it all happen and it's usually under the radar. They rarely draw attention to themselves as do the muscles and yet without them the church just can't possibly grow. It's unfortunate because sometimes these hidden members receive very little acknowledgement of their importance. Instead, they're often led to believe that they cannot move people with a word so they're not very valuable. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not true. You are incredibly valuable. If you are a thinker, one of those people in the body, behind the scenes, God sees you, we see you, we value you and we love you and appreciate you. But if you do have this type of unique self, be warned that if you are operating as a number two person, you can often become critical, feel worthless, judge others only based on their performance, be controlling and withdraw a little. Tendencies to be a loner, so you have to be careful to stay connected to the rest of the body because an organ laying outside of the body has really no function at all. So just be wary if that's you. So the third one, are the organs that are more tuned to the outside, our skin, ears, eyes, the sensing organs, and these are the feelers. These members will often leave the body in the direction that it needs to go. They function by feeling and sensing. They can warn of danger or lead to what is pleasurable and good. In the body of Christ, feeling members are really needed in the maturing church. They'll continually draw attention to relationships, both to the, to the Lord and to others. They will sense the needs of people, the spiritual needs and the emotional needs of people. They love harmony and fellowship among the members. Feelers will be slow to give up on the defeated and they'll hang in there with people. They see people as more important than accomplishments and relationships more sacred than programs. They are, in short, the encouragers. And we need, see how we need each one of them? No one better than the other, just totally different. But the flip side, if you're a feeler, the flip side to that is if you're not under the rule of the Holy Spirit, they can quickly become competitive, backbiting, discouraged, manipulative, emotionally high and low one day. They can be ruled by emotion and misunderstand what's being said to them. So sometimes you just got to give them a hug, encourage them and get the actual facts and help them process well. And again, when I was doing this, I realised that um, I did an online test, which you can do. And Greg and I, have you guessed what we are? We're doers. <laughs> but he's a doer thinker and I'm a doer feeler. So isn't God good? He's so good the way he puts us together for a job to be done, yet we do it differently. And any of you that know us would know that that's pretty much how we do work. So I can't be Greg, and I don't want to be like him, um, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be like me. But together, we work in a great partnership in our marriage and in leadership, and you can too with your spouse. So I hope you've identified maybe who you are there. Um, so can you see how relationships can be quite complex? And I think sometimes people give up on them too quick 
They get married for just a short time, go, oh, this is too hard, or this person's not the person I thought I married. It takes a bit of time to explore who you are and who your partner is. We've got to be secure in our God-created self. And then we can release our spouse and partner, our children, to be who they are. And we can only do this when we really understand who God's created. So I'm going to finish on this quick little story I read about Charles Lindbergh. Most of you have probably never heard of him. He was the first man to fly non-stop alone across the Atlantic Ocean from New York to Paris in the year 1927. He was very clever, popular and a charismatic man, loved all the media attention. He was married to a girl called Anne Morrow for 47 years. She was very different to him. She was a shy, quiet girl. She hated the limelight. Charles loved her and encouraged her to pursue her own dreams and not to be sidelined by his. She became one of America's most popular authors. But her life could have been very different. She could have lived in the shadows of her husband. But what he did, he gave her wings by encouraging her to fly and be herself by believing in her. Now that's a great relationship where both of them pursued their dreams and were enabled to fly, not holding each other back. So guys, today let's encourage our spouses, our partners, our children, our family to dream and aim high in life. As women, let's release our men to be the warriors that God has designed them to be. And guys, treat your wife as the special gift that she is to you. Appreciate the fact that men... They're not just one face. You'll never forget this face, will you? <laughs> when you look at your husband tonight, girls, don't just see one face. See the face of the king and the warrior and the boy and the jester. And guys, don't forget that us girls wear many hats. And often we may wear them all together at the same time or take one off, one on. That's just who we are. That's who God's made us to be. But let's continue to love and respect one another in our differences. As Ephesians tells us, love and respect one another. Allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. And we can have amazing, long, fruitful marriages that people will look on and see something different in our marriages. And our children, you are being the best role model for them on how to be married and enjoy life together. So if you're sitting with your partner, spouse, whatever, whoever, grab their hand because we're going to pray. Oh, that's what I was going to say too. I think a really important thing to do is pray for your spouse, either on your own, but then pray together. Even if it's not a daily thing, just pray together every now and then. It's such a beautiful thing to do and I know that really blesses the heart of God. So if you've got someone's hand or your girlfriend or whatever, it doesn't matter. Father God. Oh, thank you, God, for love. Thank you that you are the God of all relationship and our most important relationship is with you. But I thank you for marriage between husband and wife. It's a beautiful relationship, Lord. And it can be tricky and rocky and all those things, Lord God. But I just know that you have created each one of us so beautifully, so uniquely. And as we just dig down deep and learn about ourselves and our spouses, Lord, we can have amazing marriages. So God, help each person here today continue to explore their unique self, the person that you've created them to be, so they can be the very best partner, best mum, best dad, best husband, best spouse, best daughter, best son in their relationship.
relationships be incredibly fruitful and a blessing to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.